Wondering what's next in your business or personal life? Welcome to Success to Significance, Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings, a podcast dedicated to helping you with all of life's challenges, discoveries, and opportunities. Whether you're seeking a new career, retirement, or simply wanting to make an impact in your community or the world. Join Jen Duplessis and her guests as they explore how to start, what to do when you're in the thick of a change or growth, and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking. Hi there, everyone, and welcome back to this episode. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. Today with me is Tracy Austin. She is the... um, Proud owner and host of the weekly podcast called uh, Talent Optimization with Tracy Austin. And um, so we're going to have a link to the show in the show notes to that podcast as well. And um, she's a highly sought after expert in the area of building HR departments um, from the ground up for small businesses, which is ironic because I help people build world class teams but I don't do it from the HR perspective. I do it from the mindset perspective of get out of your own way kind of thing. So it's really cool that we're going to be talking about this. She is a certified HR professional and uh, she's helped all kinds of businesses, um, you know, with their employee development, with engagement, performance consulting, which is a really big thing, uh, training facilitation, um, and really just up leveling management, right? Managers or leaders, as we say that that's happening these days. So welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Excited to explore what your glass ceilings are. And then we'll talk about what some glass ceilings might be for business owners and entrepreneurs, managers, team leaders who are struggling in this area as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me today. Of course, of course. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about some of your history and and the glass ceilings, you know, that you experienced, whether you've been in HR all of your life or you said, you know what, I got through it, so now I'm going to teach this. Share us a little bit about you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in human resources my entire career. Um, So it's been over 20 years that I've been in HR and a lot of time in nonprofit organizations and small businesses, really building that HR department and really marrying together the strategic side of human resources, which is the team piece and that tactical side of HR, because what we know is without a strong foundation, the rest of it's going to fall apart. And I think right there, that connection is totally a glass ceiling because you're looking at it and saying, if we're so mirrored in the compliance piece of it, we're missing the impact that we're having on people. And sometimes the glass ceilings are the little light bulbs that you go, that's how the dots connect. Okay. So now I can focus on what really matters and leave the rest behind. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really important point. Um, you know, it brings me to this question that I'm curious about, you know, from your perspective, what do you, there's two parts to this. One is what do you think prevents people from hiring (laughs) because they all believe they can do it themselves. I know you're going to tell me that, but you know, what is the psychology behind it in your perspective? And then the other part is what is the biggest mistake people make when they hire? Yeah. So, um, so the, the kind of the two things that we see here, here is what prevents people from hiring one, there's a fear, 
Yeah. And there's a huge cost with hiring. You know, there's a cost. Am I going to get the right person in? Mm -hmm. Um, Are they going to be a fit to the culture of our organization? I have a fear of the amount of time it's going to take me to train them and to develop them. So, you know, I can do it better myself. Well, you can't scale that way, right? So if we're talking about scaling, your, your, um, and this is totally a glass ceiling, but your um, commitment to being successful and hitting that goal must be greater than your fear. Yeah. So what is the commitment to the goal, right? And I think every time you look at it, that's what elevates you through a glass ceiling as well. Yeah, I think- Is my commitment to this greater than my fear? Yeah, I think that's really, really good. And I think a lot of people don't have clarity about that. And that may be where you come in. And you know, I know that's what I do in the work that I do as well is helping them get that clarity of- you know, what is scaling? I mean, people, some people, you know, see it as a, a horizontal scaling, you know, having gobs of people. Others see it as I can just do it all myself and make a ton of money, leave me alone. Um, you know, and and both have an access where they stop because you just don't have the infinite energy or maybe you don't have the financial wherewithal, you know, to bring everybody on just because you thought they were really nice when you interviewed them. Um, <laughs> the problem with interviewing too, right? So once you yeah. make the bad decision, you know, what's the biggest mistake that managers make or or team leads make when they bring somebody in? Yeah, the biggest mistake that we see is, and there's a couple, one, they're not clear about what the role is Ah, and they're hiring just based on a resume. So Mm -hmm. when we hire, we're very much looking at who is this person? What are their natural behavioral strengths and what does the job need? When we can get really clear on not just the duties that the job is performing, but what does the job need? Does the job need somebody that's really patient and very, very detail oriented? Does the job need someone that is, you know, very verbose and can speak well and can enroll others and persuade? Well, we need to bring in a person that matches the job and that's the fit to the role. So, you know, that's a huge mistake, which is we're only hiring for what's on a resume versus looking at what's their their natural ability based on what the job needs and is it a match? And then the second biggest mistake that we see is what's the culture of the organization and does that specifically match the individual's personal values, right? Because if we're not aligned, we all want to know why are we doing this and is it impactful to me? If it's not, then we don't want to do that. And that in and of itself is a huge glass ceiling that will allow your business to grow and scale. Yeah, I think that's really critical and important. I, you know, I hear it all the time is you've got to know the roles. Everyone, you know, it, we get to this critical mass of, uh, I need somebody. I need somebody right now. So we just hire somebody, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We And I've even seen people physically, for those of you that aren't watching the video, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shaking my hands going, you know, physically going, you know what? I think you're great. We'll just figure out a place for you. And that never works. <laughs> never no. ever ever works for anyone oh. for them or you <laughs> no and we do a lot of finger pointing like they were terrible they were this that and the other instead of I wasn't prepared I didn't have my training program together I didn't have clarity of goals clarity of roles clarity of values all of that so so let's talk a little bit about this alignment um and asking you because I know one of the things that you do is you do something called the predictive index consulting and I want to know what that is. That might be your own your own thing. Um, I want to 
talk about that compared to like Myers-Briggs to disc profiling. And when are you doing that? Because I'm hearing you cannot do a disc profile as a means to hire someone. You can do it afterwards in the probationary period, but you can't do it as a means to hire someone. So tell us a little bit about how you can dig in deeper for those that are listening. You know, it's like, how do I dig in deeper to what are their core values? What's their personality style now? And again, I've been doing disc for a long time, so I can look at people, I can listen to people, I can watch people and pretty much predict what they are. But what about for the novice person who is like, oh, it's my first hire, I'm so scared. What are some of the, the core, I don't want to say core values. I mean, what are, what are some of the steps that they could take or tips that they could have in order to develop and deepen that to know if someone's going to fit into their culture based on the values and then also based on those that personality profile as it relates to the role. Absolutely. So I'm going to go to compliance-based HR for a second, and then I'm going to, you know, bump into yeah. the strategic side of it. So yeah. you, you like how we're, how we're already bridging okay, those so things together. So the first part is consult your HR department for compliance. Okay. <laughs> Right. right. So, you know, when we look at um, validation is really the word. And so what we have to know is that an assessment has been validated for hire, meaning mm -hmm. has the assessment proven to be predictable to ensure that we're not discriminating against individuals. Right. So yeah. we got very compliance based on you for a second. Yeah. And so there's some assessments out there like the predictive index and the predictive index has been around since 1955. There's over 10,000 clients that utilize the predictive index. There's about 300 certified partners. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that, you know, predictive index does validation studies at least annually and typically more than that based on the countries that they're in because they are global. So if you, you know, have um, individuals, you know, globally, um, you know, it is a, a global organization. But with that being said, what it's really doing is we're doing a job assessment to say, what does this job need? And then we do something called a calibration with that, that team that's going to work directly with this role. And this is such a critical step because what we're doing is we're asking a rock star on the role. We're asking the immediate hiring manager. We're asking the immediate supervisor, a skip level supervisor, and sometimes, you know, an executive over the area and HR is always involved. But for a smaller organization, it might just be two or three people. Right. And what we're doing is ensuring that, hey, this role is really what we believe it is. Because I don't know about you, Jen, but I had situations where I've been in a role and I'm like, go do this, then then I get a conflicting request to go do that. And I'm like, right. I feel like I'm an octopus being pulled in eight different directions right. and I don't know how to win here. Yeah. Right? yeah. So we want to make sure we set our people up to win. And if you get nothing out of this conversation, how do we win is such a great question Yeah. for your staff. How do they win? Lay it out over the first 30, 60, 90 days. Here's what winning looks like. Yeah, I think that's important. So but also, you know, and then it's so keep your thought there, but, but also, um, you know, having failures, having stumbling blocks with your new hire, I think is also important, you know, to a certain extent, because um, no one can come in and be perfect. We know that people are going to stumble. We know we're going to stumble as leaders. How do you get past that? And maybe you need to answer that after you were, you, I know you had a thought, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> 
Absolutely. So going back to um, just the compliance based of, hey, how come PI can be used and like discount? It's because PI is doing a job assessment and then matching the behavioral assessment and the cognitive assessment to the to the job assessment. So so they're specifically related and it's the folks inside the organization that are creating the job assessments. So Mm -hmm. it's specific to that organization and that role. So you need to do this for each role. So that's that's why that's different than, you know, DISC, where it's really just looking at it for, well, what's your behavioral profile, which is fantastic. um, But we need to ensure that it is aligned to the job to be done. Yeah. Okay. I think that's really important. Okay. So let's go back to that um, previous question just for, you know, some clarification in um, making sure that, you know, the person that when they come on board, that we allow, you know, some grace for some hiccups on both sides. Um, how yeah, do we sure. how do we maneuver through that, ensure that um, that we're using motivation and inspiration as opposed to condemnation, right, of getting things yeah. So how do, how do we maneuver through that? Yeah. So what we've done, and you know, as we talk about glass ceilings, when when we created this and started implementing it, it was like, oh my goodness, like the light bulbs just bouncing around with clients and within our own team. And so what we've done is we've taken the job description and those job descriptions, the essential duties on the job description, our recommendation is that those are written in SMARTY goals, specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, time-based, and why. Mm -hmm. So that, that the why is the why and smarty. And, you know, if we're not connected back to the culture, if we're not connected back to why we're doing what we're doing, you know, we miss an important part of the motivation. So what we do is we take those essential duties that are on the job description, and this is where compliance-based HR and strategic HR come together, right? And we lay out a 90-day plan for them, which essentially each week has a learn goal, a dual goal, and an achieve goal. So learn, do, achieve. So each week you have these goals. And what happens is, you know, by the end of that 90 days, and sometimes it's sooner, sometimes it's longer, all of those essential duties are checked off, right? And with the achieve goals each week, you're celebrating successes or you're saying, hey, this was too big of a goal for this week. We're going to redo it for the next person coming in in this role, but it And it opens up such a significant um, line of conversation that isn't there otherwise. Right. Because it's avoidance, right? I've seen, I've seen people come into offices, you know, and just beeline to their office saying, I have meetings all day. I have meetings all day and shut the door. And really we need to be pulling those individuals in closer, managing them better, leading them better, consulting them, you know, and working through. Yeah. And I think that's an avoidance thing that a lot of people have because they're, you know, unless you've gone through formal management training, right. Um, or leadership training, it's an avoidance. It's like, Oh, that's not, it feels yucky. It it feels wonky. So I'm just going to avoid it. Maybe it'll go away and it just gets worse and worse. And this is why we have so much turnover and retention issues and how much expense it, you know, is involved there. What would you say to, to to someone who is saying, look, I want to, I want to hire my first hire. <laughs> That's a glass ceiling all by itself. But regardless, I want to do, you know, I have my first hire. I want to, you know, now I want to expand and get a few people on. I might be remotely managing them. I might have them in my office. Or now I want to hand over the reins to a sub manager 
so that I don't have to do all that management. What are what do you say to them that they need to learn in each one of those categories? What are some of the skill sets they need to be looking out before they make the take that action and say, oh, because you know, we don't want to be an imposter, right? We don't want to go, you know, right. I moved too quick and now I'm doubting myself. I thought I was good. And we have those days, all of us do, you know. But what skill sets do we need at each level in order to be able to ensure that that the scaling is actually happening? And it's not we're gonna we're not gonna have a uh, nosedive and circling the drain. You know, the first thing that I would say is slow down, right? Slow down to we speed tend up to go so speeding up to slow down. Right. Yeah, right. Is you know slow down and get really clear on what the specifics you need and the clarity around the role. And that's not necessarily you know a skill set, and yet it is because what it does is it impacts the communication piece. Mm -hmm. And so you know in your question, I heard two different questions, so I'm going to kind of answer both of them. The yeah. first one was you're hiring your first hire, right? So within that first hire, what we do with our clients that have that first person they're hiring is I have them you know take out and make three lists. What are the must haves? What are the like to haves? And what are the dream to haves? Mm -hmm. And literally list all the things that have to happen in your business that you want to get off your plate. I mean, this is really yeah. similar to the delegate and elevate tool that you'll see like in traction or in, um, you know, in, in, you know, some of the operations kind of things, but right. what are those key things that you want to get off your plate? And then you know, categorize them, must have, like to have, dream to have. The next thing is I go through and I highlight what are the like things together? Because a mistake that I see so often is we bring somebody in and we're asking them to do graphic design and we're asking them to do accounting and we're asking them to do copywriting and right. we're asking them to manage our calendar. Yeah. And we're asking for a unicorn that's not possible in one person. Yeah. Yeah. And so that cross-pollinating while you're growing is really key that the cross-pollination aligns with their job duties or their skill set anyway. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. The other piece of this is, especially if it's your first hire, look at what are all my strengths? Mm -hmm. What are all of my strengths? And then we're looking at what are my weaknesses? What are those weaknesses? And I'm not saying let's turn your weaknesses into strengths at all. What I'm saying is let's figure out what your weaknesses are and let's ensure that those weaknesses are on your must have list. Yeah. Because yeah. what you're going to do is you're going to turn up your strengths by turning up someone else's strengths that loves to do all these things. The caution is your communication style is going to clash because you're so different. And so if you go into that with the mindset of when I can turn up their strengths, they're turning up my strengths. So we're going to have the candid conversations up front about what do we need to communicate effectively? Predictive Index has a report that actually prints that out that you can wow. see very yeah. specifically within that. I don't know if DISC has that or not, but it's something that is really impactful when we are inspiring our people to perform. Yeah, I love I love how you phrase that. You know, when I, I and I'm trying to write it out, when I can increase their strengths, uh, my their strengths, I increase my strengths. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that's uh, strengths, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And I totally believe that. And you know, it's funny. Um, I use something, I use something a little different. I call it finder, minder, grinder. It's basically the same thing though, but you know, 
I'm the finder. This is what I like to do. Then there's the minder who's fulfillment and customer experience and the warm fuzzy slows down, makes everybody's happy, detail oriented. And then there's the grinder, right? Who you do the reports, you do the database entry, yet you do, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think that um, I do something, you know, I do something very similar. And what we, I hear quite frequently from people, and I'm sure you have too, is, and, and for those of you listening, right, have you said this yourself? I need a mini me. Uh, no, you don't. You do not need nope. a mini you because you're going to get the same results. <laughs> right. right. Exactly what you have. And you'll be frustrated. And you'll be frustrated <laughs> because you're paying someone else to do the same stuff you like to do. Um, how right. does this cross over into um, you know, there's a lot of different I call it the trifecta of success, but it but the hedgehog theory of doing what you love to do, doing what you're excellent at, and do what makes financial sense for your company. You know, it doesn't make sense for me to make I'd be very simple on this, but it doesn't make sense for me to be making copies of a book, you know, copies of a workbook or something. It doesn't make sense for me to be doing that. Makes sense for me to be having a conversation with a client to deliver that book, (laughs) right? So how, how much does the hedgehog theory play in that clarity and analysis and what you do related to that predictive index consulting? Yeah, it, it's it, it's built right into it. So we do something called a one-on-one team strategy um, assessment. So what we're doing is we're taking all the folks on the team and we're actually you know plotting them in a graph. So you have your innovation and agility, yeah. um, you have your teamwork and employee experience, you have your results and discipline, um, and process and precision. So those are yeah. the four quadrants. And so you know what we see is some are detail very detail oriented and very people focused, right? Some of them are are independently driven leaders and very people focused. Others are very process focused and Uh very people focused. Yep. And so once we plot that, we then go on and say, great, this is what your team type is. And really looking at, again, we can all shift for short periods of time. It's the long periods of time that start to become problematic. And, you know, knowing from DISC, there's things that are easy shifts and there's things that are really hard shifts. So for me, I'm, you know, very independently driven and very people focused, task focused, and I move really quick. So if I have to spend a lot of time doing analysis work, detail work, I'm, (laughs) yeah. And I'm like, oh my goodness, my eyes out with a needle. Just shoot me. (laughs) Right. Right. Which is why, you know, it's like, I know HR compliance really, really well. I have my payroll certifications. I have all these things. Do I want to do them now? No. Did I early in my career? Yes. Because I was climbing a ladder, right? Right. And so with that being said, when we look at that, we go, okay, so here's where Jen's really great. And here's where we want to turn up her strengths by spending more time in that area. So we need a counterbalance to that as long as the strategy of the team calls for it. So we then look at and say, what's the strategy your team is executing over the next six months? Because quite honestly, team strategies typically change every six months. And we're a huge proponent of um, sprints or projects, defined start date, defined end date, because what we know is there is... um, Pressure's great as long as there's an end to it. But when it's continuous pressure that never ends, we yeah. tend to fall off with performance. So what we want to do is say, here's the strategy we're executing. Do we have the right people on the team to do this? 
Right. If not, who do we pull up from the bench? Who do we pull in from a higher or who needs to stretch for this period of time? Yeah. Oh, I think that's really good. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, a good assessment, but again, that's the slow down piece, right? So many people, I do halftime reports, like we're at halftime, you know, what do you do? You go into the locker room and you assess, you know, are we winning or are we losing? What adjustments do we need to make to win the game for the next period of time? You know, and I think, I think that's, um, you know, critical, uh, but I love that you're saying, you know, we're doing sprints. We, we call them power plays too, but, you know, little sprints of, of that. Um, all right. So the second half of the question that I had asked earlier was what happens when you're ready to scale? And so you've placed all the right people in and let's say they don't have you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and it's humming along well. They need to and come then, hire me, Jen. <laughs> I know. And then it's humming along well. And then all of a sudden, now they need to, you know, they're they're going to bring in three or four people, and and that harm, harmonious uh, work wasn't, you know, isn't happening now. What can right. aside from perhaps making the wrong hire or hiring too quickly, what can they do to adjust themselves? to make that work, if, if it can be, you know, to assess whether or not, instead of just saying, okay, you're out, you're out. Maybe it's on me. Maybe, maybe there's something I can do. Maybe I can develop that person. Maybe I can do something. So right. where, um, where in that second level, do we need to start working on ourselves? Yeah, for sure. So what's so fun about this question is I work with so many PE backed firms that are going from 30 employees to 200 employees over five years or something like that, right? And so this happens with leaders almost at every level that, you know, you know, when you're 30 employees, it's very different. And for that leader themselves, it's really being self-aware of what do I need at this level? And do I want to? Like, and so often we don't ask that question of, do I want to? And so when we're talking, sometimes it's, hey, I'm just really not a great CEO, but I'm a great founder and I'm great at developing and bringing in the new thing. Okay. So do you need to hire a CEO in and, and, you know, put those things aside so you can do the creative work that you did when you started the business. Right. So, you know, for that leader, it's really taking a look in the mirror and saying, what are my strengths and where do we want to focus? And what does the business need of me to be successful. So there's a point in time where you have to take yourself out of it and really look at what's in the best interest of the business. Yeah, that's really a great um, strategy. And it requires a lot of emotional intelligence on the part, you know, Mm -hmm. of that person. And as you're explaining this, I'm thinking of Elon Musk because he came into Twitter and then he's like, but I'm not going to be the CEO forever. You know, and I think that that's a really good point, um, you know, recognizing that, um, it, it's an ego thing, don't you think? I think when, you know, I built it, it's mine. I need to be the head honcho the whole way, all the way. And But maybe not. Maybe you're best suited to be one of those minders in my case, right? Versus a finder. You know, maybe your capabilities are there. One thing I'm not hearing you say, and this is one of the things I want to talk about is management. Um, and oh God, I, I oscillate back and forth these days with management and leadership because, Nobody wants to be managed, but there is a management aspect of it. Um, I think there's a lot of attrition. People leave, so people become managers. People uh, decide that, that you know they're a widget maker and they can have a widget making company, and they didn't realize that. Ooh, <laughs> it requires a lot of work, right? Because I'm a widget making company. Mm-hmm. 
that I think is one of the biggest failures we have. What can, where can people get the training that they need in order to um, work with people, you know, work with people and learn to work with people, learn to negotiate, learn to delegate properly instead of what I call drive-by delegation, right? Because everybody's just dead in the right. process. Um, you know, and, and again, you know, having that emotional intelligence, it stems from that piece that you said that having that emotional intelligence to say, gosh, you know, I do have weaknesses as I grow through this company myself. So where can they get the yeah. training, not, not just the assessment of who they need, but the training to be able, I call, well, it's situational leadership, right? Knowing that situation. Right, right for sure. So I'm going to answer this in a couple different parts, right? So um, let me just add the training so I don't miss that piece. Yeah, but I know. I'm always doing I know. I've got I, these multiple questions. Sorry. <laughs> I know. No, no, no. It's good. And and so um, I, if I don't come back to the training, bring me back to it, though. Yeah, I will. So the first question that, that, that you had kind of asked was essentially, hey, we promote people into people leaders, and they're not people leaders. Right. And so when we are um, creating org charts, and we create something called a talent pathway plan, and we align that with a people strategy. So essentially, what's your people strategy to get to XYZ, right? Yeah. So we're laying out what exactly you need for the people. Um, and what is the training to get them? there and for internal. So we're laying out and we do this with PI and then we actually create a roadmap. So that roadmap will show here's how you can go from this role to this role, to this role, to this role. And at some point there is a delineation between a, um, a people management talent pathway and a very specific, almost specialist talent pathway. And so yeah. sometimes it's project management and people management, because what we know, especially now, is we need to have the knowledge workers. We need to have those that know every area of, yeah. you know, institutional knowledge of the organization yeah. and the specifics of it, but they should never ever, manage. ever manage people. Right. So we need to create the up levels and the salaries to allow them to do that. So that's one piece of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, you talked about the distinction between management and leadership. There's, you you know, we need both. It's not one or the other. Right. And right. so, um, you know, we define, and I, I don't know where I picked this up from, and I always like to cite my sources, but, um, you know, we define accountability as, you know, accountability is all about the relationship. If you yeah. think about it. Yeah. For holding somebody accountable, it's not you did something wrong. It's it's about the relationship and how we have those conversations. And typically we look at accountability conversations in what is in the best interest of the client, mm -hmm. what is in the best interest of the team, and what is in the best interest of this employee's growth. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's how we look at the accountability. Yeah. So Onto the training piece. I didn't forget yeah. the, the, the third okay. question. No, I, I was going to do it. Yeah. Um, so onto the training piece, you know, what's interesting is there are so many books out there. There's so many kind of resources. I love um, Jonathan Reynolds, The Good Authority on Accountability. It's gold. It's such a gold book. Um, so, you know, there's 
there's lots that are out there. We actually created an eight-week leadership development program that pulls in probably 40 different of those sources of ways to do it. Um, you know, and of course, there's a ton of online training too. But I think what's most important is that you identify what the training is and you don't always have to build it yourself. There's a lot of, you know, kind of L&D courses, what you're offering, what I'm offering, right, that, that provides some of that training. The key is, Make sure you identify what is the outcome that you actually want, not just the output of you must go to a training. Right. Oh, yeah. Put very well. That That's put very well. Um, <laughs> we're going to send them to some training and they'll come back and they're going to be perfect. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And, and right. that's a key leadership trait, right? Yeah. Is yeah. saying, all right, what's the distinction? It, like, this is the number one thing I learned in my master's degree program. Isn't that hilarious? Is the distinction between an output and an outcome. You know, an output is you're going to show up for this thing, right? An output is you listen to our podcast today. All right. So what? Right. An outcome is you take Action. one thing that that Jen and I did and you're getting something out of it. So you yeah. just broke a glass ceiling. Yeah. That, that's the gold. Yeah, absolutely. And that's when the ceiling does happen. You know, when the, when the ceiling does, I think, you know, I always, I, I talk about this a lot on my, on my, on the podcast here is that a lot of people are tapping on the ceiling and it's cracking and there's a little oop dropped, but you know, but nobody ever gets through it. And it's because I attended, I attended, we, we, uh, I've been saying this lately is don't attend anything for FOMO only attend for promo. Right. But, but in this context, what we're saying is don't attend for FOMO, like, Oh, I got to send them there attend for results, you know, making yes. sure that the outcome, what did you learn? And really, you know, again, this is the emotional intelligence is not, oh, I'll just send them to this class and then they'll be perfect. But rather, what did you learn? What could we learn from what you learned? What, well, how are you going to apply it? What, what can we change in our SOPs to help you facilitate and put into action? Um, you know, and I, I think that's important, but again, we, we, we're tossers. We are such tossers, you know, we just toss things out and hope, and pray that everything works out, you know, and we don't, we don't have like right. a boomerang effect to what we're doing. You know, it's a boomerang that we need to be doing. So I think that's wonderful um, as well. So and, tell us how, oh, go ahead. No, say something. Go ahead. Yeah. So, and I was going to say, I love the boomerang analogy because we use intentionality, right? So what is your intention of this training so that you go in saying, I want to come out with this outcome. And now we can start to have a boomerang because we started with an intentionality and an outcome and we went there to get it. Yeah, I love it. I love that you said that word. I have this in front of me all day, every day. Oh my goodness, I love it. <laughs> Intention <laughs> is everything. It's everything that we do. That is so cool. That is so cool. So Tracy, if someone wants to have you come into their company and you know help them assess their team, make their team you know a rock star team, uh, what... What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, so LinkedIn is a great one. Our website as well. Um, you know, our website has all of our information on it. It's elevatedtalentconsulting.com. And of course, we have our podcast as well, which is, it's actually changing names. Um, and it'll it'll still be on the same, but right yeah. now it's Talent Optimization with Tracy Austin. So there is some really fun things coming with that. Awesome. Beautiful. I love that. So when is that name going to be changing? Just, just, um, it, you know, cause these podcasts are out forever. So when is that name yep. approximately going to be changing? So that if someone needs to look October 1st, uh, Oh, October 1st, yep. 2023. 
So um, yes. just a couple of weeks from when we're doing this, what is the new name going to be if someone needs to look for that? Um, so the new name is um, the People Strategy Podcast. Beautiful. People Strategy Podcast. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, what would you like to leave us with? Do you have a quote or a mantra that you'd want to leave with some leaders or managers or something that you say to people all the time? Yeah. You know, I think... I love how you asked this. And now I'm just like, I went completely blank, right? So hang on, I'm going to grab. Um, I know, right? So this actually sits on my, um, it's like we, we all have our little things, right? I mean, so I've got a on my wall. Here. I, I know I could show you a bunch of them. I got be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Yeah, I know. We got a bunch so of this one's a little bit longer. So I'm going to read it slowly, okay. but this is an Emerson quote and it is finish each day and be done with it. You've done what you could. Some blunders and absurdities have crept in. Mm. Forget them as soon as you can. Tomorrow is a new day. You shall begin it serenely and with too high a spirit to be encumbered with your old nonsense. How oh, beautiful. So it's in other words, let stuff day. go. Yeah, exactly. Bookend your day. Exactly. Start out great, end great. All this chaos can yes. ensue in, inside of it. We say, yep, yeah, tomorrow's another day, another set. Yeah, I love it. Beautiful. I love that. And that's giving yourself grace too, that, that, you know, Hey, you're Absolutely. learning, you're learning as you're going through everything. We all are. Well, Tracy, and there's again, so much gratitude in it. Oh, oh yeah. I love the gratitude piece of it. It's just start, you know, forget everything happened right now and start your next day tomorrow with the, you know, the best intentions. I, I think that's wonderful. Tracy, thank you so much for embarking so many good wisdom pieces, uh, you know, in this world. And, and I'll tell you, this is one way that people can crack the, the ceiling. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned is everything that you learn in not HR, HR, yes, but in management, in leadership can be applied to all the relationships you have in the world with your children, with your spouse, with your business partners, with your vendors, with your employees, all of these things can be applied to every piece of your your, of your life. So it's so beneficial to learn it, not just for your business, but for every other piece. So thank you for sharing so much with us. And we will have the links in the notes for all of you to go grab information about Tracy, if you'd like to uh, connect with her and follow her on LinkedIn as well. So Tracy, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Absolutely. So just a reminder, everyone, please take just a quick minute, use your thumb to scroll down, write us a great five-star review, and then put in a comment about Tracy. What did you learn? What is one takeaway that you learned um, from what she shared with us today? Because she is a rock star, a rock star and an expert in what she does. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, where you can watch us talk rather than just listen to us if you want to. So with that, I will catch you on the next episode of Success to Significance. You've been listening to Success to Significance with Jen Duplessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now at www.jenduplessis.com S2S for more stories, strategies, and thoughts to help you gain significance and success. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Join us next week for another breakthrough episode. Thank you for listening.